right, guys. Uh, welcome back to the Out and Back podcast with Mark and Craig. Uh, this is episode number 32. So, Mark, welcome uh, to the show tonight. How's it going? Doing well. Well, uh, very excited um, for the guests that we got coming on today. You want to give a little bit of a uh, brief rundown there? Yeah, so we have on Shannon Grady. She's a, a former Florida Gator and professional runner. Uh, she's since turned into um, an entrepreneur where she's the owner of Go Athletics. And uh, what she's created is called System-Based Training. Basically, as you'll hear in the episode, it's uh, a way for coaches and athletes to get a like a blood profile on their athletic ability. And then based on that, they can adapt their training to obviously get faster and stronger and better. So uh, Shannon is a pioneer in, in that front, and uh, she's awesome to talk to and could talk about it for a very long time, as, you, as you'll find out, because uh, there's a lot that goes into it. It's uh, obviously very scientific, but... The way she's broken it down is pretty uh, explanatory for the the masses now. So she's going to fine tune that um, that aspect of it. So uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's kind of get right into it, Craig. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it'll be very informative for people, um, especially those that are you know super into training and and geek down on that sort of stuff. So um, without further ado, let's get into the uh, interview with Shannon Grady. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition. We have uh, Shannon Grady of System-Based Training on with us. We're super excited and uh, we're looking forward to hearing what Shannon has to say. So, hello, Shannon. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for uh, having me on today. Anytime. It's awesome. So, uh, Craig, I don't know if you recall, but uh, Shannon was our uh, massage therapist way back in the day. Yes, I do recall. Yep. yep. So, so Shannon, <laughs> how did you go from where you were to where you are? Like, how did that transition look like? Well, that's kind of an interesting um, story because you, as a way back Villanova athlete, um, that's, that was my role with your team as a massage therapist, but on the outside world when I wasn't with you guys. Um, I'm pretty much running around testing um, teams all over the country. Um, just so happen to be local to Villanova. So I do corrective therapy work with injured athletes as back in the day. When were you there? I'm trying to remember. I started like <laughs> 2002. Yeah, yeah, 2000, yeah, 2003, yeah. Yeah, so I started with you guys in 2000, 2000 2003. Um, but my main, um, experience really is as a physiologist, um, and therapy with really kind of working with injuries and correcting, correcting injuries as part of my training. Um, wouldn't say it's the main thing I do, but I help out. I still help out Gina and Marcus with, with that sort of thing. When, when it, when it's necessary, when other people can't figure it out, they send them to me. Um, but you know, predominantly, doing testing and with athletes, mostly track teams. And wasn't until about 2012 that I started testing Villanova. Um, cause Marcus used to go to a lab and right. Know, he that. Yeah, we did. We, we got that done. We put on the mask and on the treadmill and as fast as we could go. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't until 2012 um, that the topic really then came up with Marcus and Gina. You know, I was like, hey, I do this other testing. You might find it interesting. You know, you lost your lab. You don't, you know, you might really find this a bit more useful than than what you were doing there. Um, so that's kind of how, how Marcus and, and Gina kind of became engaged with, with that part of, of what I do as well. But um, so you you had been testing even when you were doing like massage therapy and all that you had you were all yeah, I, I started testing uh, huh. I started developing this back in 1999. Wow. Um, so the first team I worked with predominantly was University of Tennessee. So I worked with them from 2001 till 2013, and um, they were regulars. I was there probably six to eight, eight times a year testing, and and then um, so that was probably my main team that I worked with. Um, so yeah, the, the development of system-based training came from really, um, my background as a physiologist. I started out at the Olympic training center, working there, testing and, um, testing athletes from all sports and then working with coaches. And that's when I realized, you know, as a, as an athlete as, and as a physiologist, um, that the information that we were giving out, even at the highest level was really still really poor in terms of the application of the information. Um, so it really wasn't until I started working with more and more coaches that I realized the application of the information was more important than just handing out test results. Um, so that so system-based training is simply an application for coaches. It's a tool for coaches to take complex physiological data and turn it really into simple training metrics, training parameters, that's based off of individual athlete physiology. Um, so, you know, the deep, deep diving, trial and error, testing, retesting, tracking athletes. I have about a data set of about 100,000 athletes, probably, wow. yeah. probably 80,000 were runners, division one runners. So um, most of your, you know, all of my testing, I'm not sure if you're aware, we do it out on the track. So it's all field testing. I'll test um, some months I'm testing 500 athletes a month. Um, you know, we, we can do mass testing pretty, pretty simply test a whole team in an, in a, in a span of practice. So my access to athletes, um, and really a lot of it was, tr the, you know, the trust level of the coaches, um, you're being out there, you're not really invading their practice. You're just testing them during, during a training session. It's not really inconvenient. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it took about eight years of a lot of trial and error in field application, um, tweaking adjustments before it got to the point where I was really able to start expanding it out to more and more coaches in a, in a really simple, easy to understand way. Um, so. so, so what's that? I mean, obviously like Mark, Mark and I kind of have an idea in terms of like what the quote unquote testing entails, but like if you could kind of simplify that for people that might not know, like, you know, in terms of how you're testing, you know, with, you know, doing intervals, you know, on yep. the track and kind of, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the, so say if we're talking running here, mm -hmm. um, to test many other sports, but, um, sure. running is main sport. Um, and then, and actually my application for what I call measured variable sports, like track, you know, you're trying to run a certain distance in a certain time, all of the information is calculated you're able to calculate what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to 
you want to run a four minute mile, you have to generate power and velocity over a certain distance to be able to achieve that result, right? Uh-huh. So the the most common test protocol I use is the most comprehensive and it's I call it a physiological profile test where simply I'm having the athletes run 800 meter repeats at targeted paces. Um, I'm collecting their velocity, their their time, their heart rate and and blood lactate information. And they're starting out really easy and they're only stopping for about 10 seconds for me to collect a sample and then they're continuing on to the next one. And they get incrementally faster until they can't go any faster. So it's essentially a continuous test with, you know, about a 10 second break to collect some data and then they continue on. Um, so that that test protocol itself is going to give you um, a snapshot of what type of energy an athlete's using to perform work. So I'm testing what type of energy they're using across the full metabolic spectrum. So from aerobic to anaerobic, and then there's everything in between. So um, you want to understand how each athlete's accomplishing what they're doing. So you, know, you could have two athletes out there on a, quote, easy run, um, but one's producing a different energy system than another, then the coach isn't actually achieving the physiological objective with one athlete. So basically, I'm measuring, I'm simply measuring energy. And training is all about applying energy and influencing energy to achieve a performance objective. So, um, you know, if you're asking an athlete, so one of the most common scenarios, you know, when we're, we're developing our training plan, you know, you guys coach athletes, a coach has some sort of objective they're trying to accomplish, right? So mm-hmm. you say whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I get a lot of slack for people saying, oh, you made up your own terminology. This and I'm like, no, it's actually because I deal with so many coaches. Um, when I first started working with coaches, I tried to understand their language. But there's if you say do a tempo run <laughs> or or hey, coach, you need to work on VO2 max type stuff. The interpretation and the application of that came out a hundred different ways, mm-hmm. right. and, and right. then objectives weren't being accomplished. And then the what I was looking at in physiological response was not really accurate because the interpretation of the application was so vast across my sample size mm-hmm. that I had to keep honing it in and making it more specific so we could achieve a physiological objective that we were targeting. So the the application kind of developed that way in terms of, you know, I don't completely say, hey, coach, here's exactly what you, you know, follow this strict, strict regimen, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. But in order to actually achieve a physiological objective, you have to give the athlete the appropriate stimulus, right? So, so after, say, I test a team, we review with the coach, all right, what are they training for? You know, how much time do we have until pre-competition? And where are we now? You know, so for example, let's take, you know, you're training for an 800. That's probably the most complex event there is because it's, it's, um, it's highly, highly anaerobic, highly aerobic, and you've got a mix of different physiological types that can be successful. But it's a matter of, okay, coach, did you tweak the training enough one direction versus another to get the right output for that athlete? So, um, say if you're in a, you're, you have a group of 800 meter runners on your team and you are about to go into say an anaerobic phase of training, but there's a certain group of your athletes that aren't, that don't have the energy available 
to actually adapt to anaerobic training, then you're going to really put that those athletes in a hole. So if you test them and they're deficient or don't have the energy available for some reason, whether, whether, um, the recent training stimulus caused that or fueling, fueling is a big one that we see in college athletics where you get energy systems disappearing pretty rapidly. And that's simply due to not fueling enough. Mm -hmm. Um, but instead of sending that athlete into an intensive phase of training that they're not, not going to be able to handle or they're not going to adapt to, we steer the course of their training to what they can positively adapt to. So even though you had your, you know, your plan laid out, the, the athlete can only respond to what they can respond to. So instead of it's simple, we just simply work of, off of positive response training. So we're look, we're basically cheating, looking inside and saying, okay, based on where we're trying to get to, can this athlete adapt to this type of training? So, um, so it's, it's, in a way, it's it's kind of like the athlete determines the training rather than the the training determine determining what the athlete can do or can't do, I guess. Yeah. So we're just basically looking. So we're looking inside and saying, okay, um, when we set up their training plan, and we're we're ultimately trying to get to an optimal energy output for an event. So you know, an, uh, eight hundred is going to require a certain type of energy versus a ten k. You know. When you get to peak season, we're, we're steering our training to target different energy systems. But throughout the course of the year, if we test and then there was a reason why that athlete didn't adapt or they're, they're not, they don't have the energy available to proceed with the plan, we're not going to just proceed anyway. Because one, they're not going to adapt. And two, three, they're going to get hurt or they're just going to run like crap. And yeah. you know, without that information you know, a coach would normally proceed through wonder why an athlete's not performing and just say, Oh, we we'll just keep need to work at it more. We need to do more. We need to do more. You're just not, you're just not responding. I hate when people are like the non responders. It's not really that it's really, okay. Everybody's physiology is different. Physiology is very dynamic. So even what worked for you last year is not going to work for you this year. You know, you, you can change energy for various reasons in in the span of four to six weeks um so typically we're testing quarterly of every 10 to 12 weeks with the with the collegiate programs because in that amount of time you're not going to get a huge negative response that you can't recover from you know so say if an athlete starts a metabolic or energetic hole we can course correct the training load and, and the biggest thing why i say this is a tool for coaches because in collegiate sports which is where I, I mostly work in the biggest thing a, a coach can control is the training right you know your athletes I mean especially college athletics they're uncontrolled subjects that's why my application works so well because it was it was done over the span of 17 years in an uncontrolled subject setting mm-hmm. um countered thousands of possible physiological scenarios um and we 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 trained we set up the training in order to deal with those scenarios in basically towards the performance objective right um so the coach can control the load so if you if we test an athlete and we see a negative response that's due to fueling well coach can adjust the load to meet that athlete's energy demands but we can also address the fueling at the same time, but we can't keep giving them the training that we wanted 
you know, or that they should be doing when they're in a depleted state. So, um, yes, there are other variables that are going to influence how they respond, but the coach can ultimately control the training load. By by fueling, do you mean like like nutrition, like what they're eating and how they're eating? Yeah. So, you know, my test not only um, helps the you know basically I'm giving them very specific training parameters for every day. You know, their runs, they get heart rate zones for all their workouts, they get specific paces, things like that. But because we're tracking their athletes so regularly, um, we can see negative responses that the data that I'm looking at. Energy is is um, basically influenced highly by caloric intake, um, especially carbohydrates. Okay, so there's a there's a large relationship metabolically to your ability to utilize produ- and produce lactate with with um, carbohydrate intake and training load. So when we see a negative response in a sh- in from one test, and ten weeks later we see a negative uh, a loss of a lot of energy. That's not a typical um, physiological response we can we can basically see that it's it's um caloric demands they're they're outputting more than they're inputting and that's how quickly your metabolic um system can change so we'll have athletes so i my testing i've um basically broken the metabolic parts into into eight different parts so i'm measuring eight parts every time i do a profile test so say if i test you in september and you've got seven parts, and then I come back in November, and you've got four. That's a problem, right? So we've got to we've got to look at we got to start answering questions, and we got to start asking questions because if you're already kind of controlling your training load, you're using heart rate, you're not overloading, you're not doing things you shouldn't be doing. We can we can approach you with quantitative data and say, hey, you're missing these energy systems. They they disappear pretty quickly due to lack of fuel what's going on? Oh, well, I moved off campus and I'm only eating once a day. Well, unfortunately for you, we've got to adjust your training load. We can't give you the normal training unless we get your fuel back up. Um, and that's, that, that's worked out well in the collegiate model because I can, I can approach the subject with athletes and simply with, with data and say, Hey, your you know, your energetic output, you've lost a system pretty sure you're probably just not eating enough. Let's, let's check, let's track your, your calories. I I always send people, send a lot of the athletes, just track it for a week for me in my fitness pal, send me the numbers. I'm just doing like a pretty broad overview of total calories and carbohydrate. And they pretty much line up like directly, like one-to-one, like it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, the energy, the energy systems and their, um, percent deficiency in, in total calories pretty much have a, have a, have a direct correlation. So, um, it's been a pretty effective way to approach the subjects because it is a sensitive topic with a lot Mm -hmm. of athletes. So it's helped, it's helped in that regard as well. So I know you do a lot of, uh, collegiate teams and I know you've done a few high school teams. Do you do like an individual basis where you work with, let's say like myself, like if I, would you come to like a track and you would test me individually or does it have to be like a minimum of like six people or like, I I test individuals. Um, in this region, I'll generally hold like open testing sessions. So Mm. 
and say, hey, we're having open testing. If you want to come, sign up. And it's like whatever day I schedule it, whatever time. Um, if individuals contact me randomly, um, I do have regional consultants around the country mm-hmm. that can test for me. Um, but, you know, if an individual randomly contacts, I say, hey, I'm testing at this place or that place. You can come and, and join in or I'll make a, you know, a special you know, time to test the individual. Gotcha. But I also have, like, we're actually at the point now where my application, it's a web-based application. So certain schools, like Boise State, for example, um, they license it. So I've trained their sports medicine staff to administer the testing, collect the data. Hmm. I just input it into my system and just consult virtually. Hmm. So I have a couple of universities um, that do that. And then I have a couple recreational coaches around the country that use it as a basically their platform for developing their training for their athletes. So I'll just test them, input into my system, and then they basically, because in my application, you can send out training plans. So different coaches use it as their platform, you know, versus something like Training Peaks or something like that, where it just integrates the physiological data into the training, and they can build their training that way. So it's, um, it's allowing, I mean, I'm just basically creating different different models where more more people can have access to it because where I, where I was basically hitting a wall is, you know, I get people contacting me from many different places that I can't really get to or, you know, as you know, track and field programs aren't, don't have the greatest budget, so mm-hmm. I make it affordable for the teams, you know, if they license it, they just pay a flat fee per year, they're testing themselves, they can test as often as they want and I'm just you know, reviewing the data and setting up the the parameters for them. Mm. Mm. Now, is I know we were talking mainly about running, but you mentioned before that you know there's other sports that this can apply to. Is it oh, yeah. more endurance based sports, obviously, or is it other other? Uh, no, yeah. um, you know any 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 activity you do, mm-hmm. uh, it can be useful. I have. Um, anywhere from recreational walkers that utilize the information. I have UFC fighters. I have I work with a woman who just beat Ronda Rousey. Um, <laughs> I work, with, um, you know, all different types of athletes. Because all I'm basically the way I explain it is um, your metabolism is is basically like an assembly line, right? And in order to perform any task on the planet, it's going to require energy. So understanding, one, what are the energy requirements of what I'm trying to do? And two, do I have enough parts available to perform that task effectively? So I actually am quantifying and, and measuring, do we have the parts? And then I, I have a metric called a bioenergetic power score that basically quantifies at what level those parts are operating. So for example, you know, we could have, we use running, um, we have two milers right now. So bioenergetically, they could have the same parts available, but one runs an eight-minute mile, one runs a four-minute mile. So they have the same parts available from aerobic to anaerobic spectrum, but their power level is greater in the four-minute miler. So for for running especially, I have all these charts that can give coaches when they get those power scores to say, hey, you know, I want to, you know, my, my goal is to run a four-minute mile, and I can show them across their parts that they have. Well, the reason why I'm telling you you need to work on this area is because you can see your power level is efficient enough in these areas or strong enough in these areas 
to run a four minute mile, but where you're lacking are, are these areas. And that's why your body's not able to generate the velocity needed to cover a mile in four minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's all about understanding with these metrics. And I'm hoping that with more and more people using it, we'll be able to improve it, improve it more. Um, but for the, but for the track events, it really helps the coaches to understand, like, if I'm saying, you know, cause you're always like, well, should I do more mileage? Should I do more tempo? Should I do more of this? Should I do more of that? Right. It helps right. to actually see that, that difference of, okay, well, she's saying I'm, I've, my aerobic power is good enough, but over here is where I'm lacking. So there's, I've had many, many athletes come to me that say are having performance plateaus or even declines. And, you know, they're struggling to figure out, well, I'm working harder than ever. I'm training harder than ever. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, but why am I running slower? And if I test them across that spectrum and they're missing four of the parts needed to run as fast as they did before, it's easy to show them and say, well, here's why it's physiologically impossible for you to actually generate that velocity given your current energy availability. So that's not a problem. So, you know, one, I can measure, but then two, the, the application essentially is is what I'm lining out for them and saying, okay, if you do X, Y, Z for the next two to three months, we should see this response rate. This is what we would expect to happen. Here's how we're going to adjust your load in order to target the things that we need to do to, to remedy the situation. So, mm-hmm. so I've been to a talk or two of yours, and I just pulled up the – um, graphs and the charts and everything that you gave us. So if I'm looking at a particular person, let's say I have a, so does, does the amount of running a person has under their belt affect their profile? So like if I pulled someone brand new off the street and I, and I got them tested, would that be different than someone who has 10, 12, 15 years of running under their belt? Would that would the newness of the runner make a difference in their profile? Typically, actually, the newness of a runner actually will yield more of their genetic ability. Um, the, the funny thing is with, with training, um, most people, well, let me say, let me rewind that a second. Your anaerobic system is the most genetically based system. And that's the first one to go with inappropriate or overload training. So, a person who is actually a veteran runner may have, be, if they're not doing, if they're training too much, you're not going to see that that genetic potential right off the bat. Um, so, generally, a newness runner, you you can you'll be able to see more genetic potential. Their power won't be as great as mm-hmm. say somebody who's a veteran runner in in many of the other areas, especially aerobic areas. But generally a untrained person, you'll see their genetic potential a little bit more than a trained person. Cause a lot of times you do run across inappropriately trained people. So, um, so yeah, the newness won't affect their, their profile per se, but it will just, you know, their power will be a lot lower. Um, but those are all trainable. Right. And, and you know, what I'm, what I'm doing and because of the way we have the technology we have available today, to collect data. This is a power. The test I do is a power test. I'm generally, I'm testing your power in each energy system. And my training application, system-based training is trained. I test power 
and I guide the coaches to train capacity. So, you know, we're look, we're targeting that power level in each energy system and creating a training program that's going to yield more power over time or capacity in each energy system. Um, and that's what the coaches monitor. So when they're going through the, the program and they're doing specific type of workouts, the, 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 um, the big regulator is stay on the power level, stay on the target power or velocity for that system. If they fall off, they're going too fast or too slow. We're not training what we're supposed to be training. So if they can't, they can no longer maintain that power. That's their capacity limit. You need to adjust, you know, that's right. So the work to do the work. Right. So we had, we had talked about in your talk, if, uh, someone can only run four thousands at, let's say eight minute pace, then it's probably better that they run five or six, eight hundreds because they're just, they're just gassing themselves and they're not getting the, the total, uh, amount of work done necessary to, to get better. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, within my, within system-based training, we have different acronyms for different energy systems. So whether we're targeting ARC2, ARC1, ANRC2, each, each, and you probably see like there's, they have pace charts for each energy system. And within that, within those systems, when the coach logs into the app, it shows them how to create an ARC2 workout. How do we create an ARC1 workout? It's, you know, you're going to, you're going to go work interval, rest interval, total volume. And that's how you create the workout and then set it at the, at the pace of that system. So it's pretty easy for coaches to use and work within the framework to create their own workouts. Um, but it really helps to pretty, pretty definitively achieve whatever physiological objective you're trying to achieve. So, so, okay. Let's, so say someone was, uh, deficient in, in ANRC1. Is that like, like a top end? Yeah. So that's top end anaerobic. So that's your. So, sorry, sorry. So your system would say, Hey, uh, they're deficient in this area. They need a thousand meters at X pace. And then the coach would be like, okay, let's see, we could do, 10 by 100 or 5 by 200 or 3 three by 300 and 100. Basically, the coach has the autonomy to, to yes. say. Yeah. So they will gotcha. click on NRC1 and will say NRC1 parameters to set that workout up. It's going to be anyway from zero to 60 seconds of work. So 100, 200, 300, 350, however fast the person is um, with three to four times rest interval. So they run a minute, they rest three to four minutes. And then they're going to go at their ANRC1 pace. Um, so they'll get a velocity for that. They'll set up the workout. They'll, they'll have a work, you know, and the, the, the total capacity is somewhere between zero and 10 minutes. So they can, they can monitor their athletes, see how much work they can get in with manipulating the, the, the interval lengths, things like that, at the right velocity to achieve that objective. Um, if, if that's a relevant part of their training for them. Right, right. obviously a, yeah. a marathon or probably yeah. is not going to, right. Yeah, marathon, I'm not too concerned about that, but yeah. Right, but yeah. if they're running maybe the, the six or the 800 or maybe the mile, okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Craig, you, Craig, you got all that? Yeah, I'm fascinated by this stuff. Like, I could listen to you talk about it all day. Like, it's I know, just, I'm I could blab on forever. No, so. no, no. Like, it's, <laughs> I love this sort of stuff. And I mean, I, the, the name of the program is just, it just, defines what it's about it's very just systematic and there really shouldn't be any kind of 
guesswork or anything in, into why something works or why something isn't working, things like that. So I said, I'm, I'm quiet over here because I'm just processing it and it's like fascinating <laughs> to me. So What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I have... I have her. Uh, <laughs> I have her graphs and charts that I'm looking at, so I can kind of, for the the, pre the people who are listening or trying to figure it out. I mean, a lot. I mean, it looks complicated, but then when you break it down, like it, when you're after they get tested, the output says, "All right, you're deficient in these specific mini parts of running." So all the way from like your easy slow recovery runs all the way to your all out sprinting you could be deficient can you be deficient on both ends and then be Absolutely. efficient in the middle oh yeah that's actually a pretty common scenario um that's what i call stuck in threshold um people call me the anti-tempo girl but that's not the case <laughs> um, in endurance running threshold training whatever whatever people think that is um is very overused it's basically where you're doing a lot of moderate type work and and you're if you're overworking too much too frequently, you're going to lose the bottom part. You're going to lose your aerobic efficiency and you're also going to lose your top end. Um, so that's actually a very common profile um, for many, 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 many athletes. Um, that's probably the most common profile I see when, when we're having performance plateaus. It's like, pretty sure I know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's actually pretty common. Um, and, and then I use actually this as a diagnostic tool. Um, ideally, what we're looking for is at least six systems to perform optimally. So no matter, you know, what you're training for, you can be training for an Ironman, which is going to be skewed way left to the aerobic side. You could be training more for track events. And which is why I'm really glad I got all my field work in track and field, because, you know, even though the NCAA, I mean, there's literally no event in the NCAA that's truly endurance, right? So all of your academic research is on these endurance, long endurance stuff. It's pretty small studies. There's not really a lot of extensive information, but really in the complex events where you start bringing in your anaerobic system, you've got many different physiological makeups trying to perform similar events. Um, it's a pretty cool thing to look at in terms of how the body's responding, how different types of physiologies respond. But, you know, when you're talking 10,000 10, meters as the longest um, event in, in the NCAA, you know, you really need to, to know kind of that upper end of the spectrum and what's going on there because that's, you know, these, these guys are running fast. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. you know, if you're, missing, if you're missing that piece of it. But you know, as a diagnostic value, um, you know, people always say, well, how do I know if I'm overtrained? I don't, I don't ever really use that word. Um, it's just inappropriately trained because typically, you know, for scenario of an athlete who's not feeling enough, the training in theory is adequate or not too much, but they're not eating enough to be able to perform that work. Right. So I kind of describe it as like, you know, you take your car into a shop, you check, you know, they're going to do diagnostic tests test to check which parts are working, which parts aren't working. They're going to say, okay, we need to do X, Y, Z. So first and foremost, it's a diagnostic test to say, okay, where are we? You know, if we're down to one or two bars, we're, we're going to have to seriously, you know, pull back, not compete, stop training. We're going to have to run some other metabolic tests because there's a problem here. Um, you know, typically when we see really, you know, one or two energy energy systems available 
they're in such a metabolic hole that there's a lot of other things going on. They're having trouble, you know, low testosterone, cortisol, all their other, they're basically, it shows their inability to maintain homeostasis, that their stress levels are so high that they can't come back to normal. So, you know, we can help to really take off the main stressor, which is their training load and, you know, get them back to normal health and prevent these long-term health issues that often happen from chronic overload training. So um, that's the one piece of it where I didn't intentionally intentionally um, set out to find, but it just sort of happened. Simply, I, all I was looking for is how do I create the exact stimulus to get the exact response that I want in each in every athlete I could possibly come across? That was the whole kind of mission of my field research. Um, and then out of that really became the understanding of overload and how the body responds and its inability to do other things um, because of stress, training stress. Mm. So, so when, you, when you're doing these kind of tests, you know, obviously, you know, you're checking for a number of different things, but is it, is it something where like if someone, if a student athlete or, or even, you know, post-collegiate comes to you and they just do it, say that one time, like from the first time, can you get an understanding in terms of where their levels are and if they're deficient or, you know, things like that? Or is it more of like, I know, for example, like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always been under the assumption with like, say like an iron test, for example, like everybody's range is so of like, what's, you know, uh, <laughs> optimal. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or deficient is so different that, you know, you, you need to get tested like when you feel good, but also when you feel bad. So that way you can relate the different tests. Is that something that would apply there? Or is it more of, you know, Hey, um, this is where we should I be. And, and I can tell right from the get go. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up iron because, okay, so all I'm simply en measuring is what energy, how how is that athlete performing work at this current time, mm -hmm. okay, given all of their other possible metabolic issues or fueling issues. So if they are low iron, if they aren't fueling, if they're overtrained, if they're, they have all these other things, all I'm simply measuring is where are we right now? Mm -hmm. so from a first test, I'm... I don't know conclusively what caused them to be there. Mm. And, you know, whether it's low iron, whether it's not fueling, whether it's, tr you know, training, training overload, not sure why they're there. I just know they're there. Right. right? But like I said, the biggest thing a coach can control is that training stress because that's the main thing. Generally, when you're dealing with athletes, it's going to cause all of those other things to be out of whack. Why, you know, why are athletes low in iron? Cause they're training a lot, mm. you know, <laughs> You know, why, why, why are our cortisol levels, why are all these other stress markers really high in athletes? Well, because we're training a lot. We're stressing ourselves more than anybody else. That's, that's what it is. But when we, we are putting more stress than our body can handle or recover from on a day-to-day -day basis, our body, and I have a term that I use, it's the system shutdown. Things just start shutting down, right? So I play out this scenario, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, running, you're not performing, it's mental, blah, 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 mental this, mental that. Yes, there is a mental component to being competitive, to um, waking up every day, doing the training, doing the grind, pushing yourself, things like that. But all, all things being equal in terms of mental capacity, it's generally our mental fortitude that brings us to a state of complete system shutdown. Because as an athlete, you know, we're competitive, we're going to push ourselves, we're going to do everything we're told. 
generally is, is right, right. <laughs> of why I see athletes with one or two bars functional is because, you know, you first, you may see, you know, without collecting their blood and bioenergetic data, you're going to see a first, okay, I'm not feeling great in workouts. I'm not hitting workouts. Or my performance is getting worse. So what's the first thing we do? Well, we got to work harder. Mm -hmm. I got to push myself more. I'm not doing enough. You're not working hard enough. So I'm just going to keep pushing myself through. I'm going to pretty much ignore any physiological signal that I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to keep using, 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 using. And pretty much our body, the, the, it's showing us there's something wrong. It's slowing us down. We're not running as fast. There's a problem. But instead of pushing it through, oftentimes we just, or instead of pulling back or figuring, you know, adjusting something, we just try to do more. We're, we're trained, you know, to do more. More equals better. Work mm -hmm. equals better. Um, so that's a very common scenario where, you know, your body just keeps shutting down, shutting down, and shutting down until either you get hurt or you just can't go anymore. And you have all these other health issues, other signs and signals, you know, where we can test iron and stress and all these other hormones. Um, you know, but if we, if we kind of, we can see that with the testing I'm doing and the scheduling I have it set up for, for most of the programs, we can catch that before it turns into a problem. I can see an acute change in metabolic. You can, you can have an acute change over the course of two weeks. I can catch if you're just under fueling slightly. You know, and so, like I said, when the systems, um, you know, in the span of in the span of the eight to ten weeks that I know, or the ten to twelve weeks that I normally test, I generally won't see somebody lose more than four. Like if they're just completely killing themselves, so then, you know, you can you can prevent a total meltdown meltdown mm -hmm. of everything. <laughs> you can have enough time to recover from that, you know, with the rest of the year. Um, so, you know, it, it's as a, as a solution for, for performance, it's a big part, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, only rock, like rely on that. I, you know, as far as usually I use that information to adjust training load, but then when I'm still tracking the athlete, I'll recommend other metabolic testing, other, other things, you know, we track the nutrition, track those other things to work on those things as well. But, you know, as far as the, the main stressor of why they got to that scenario, the coach can control that immediately. That's not something the athlete's going to need to control themselves. You know, a lot of these athletes who are underfueling, they just don't even realize they're doing it. It's not that they're doing it on purpose. You know, they mm -hmm. have a class schedule that doesn't allow them to fuel as much as they need to. They don't realize they need to eat 3,000 calories a day. They think, you know, 1,500 is great. You know, so they don't, they're not educated enough normally to really know what's appropriate right um, so so i have a, a question so are it, it hmm, is the fastest <laughs> athlete you work with do they have the best profile or is that is it is uh ability and performance not related not showing in a, a complete packaged uh profile does that make sense so, so yeah that's so, a like, good... so like does someone who runs like a 145 is their profile like tops and then someone who runs a 10 minute mile is their profile like the worst or like 
Does it so, not? Yeah, yeah. So I, I basically give coaches predictions within a couple, within one or two seconds, how fast each athlete's going to run. Um, so from their profile, you can, so it's not only what energy they have available, but those power scores within each energy system, right? So like I said earlier, you can have a 10 minute miler and a four minute miler with the same energy available, but mm. the power is going to be different. So, so see if I, if you have an 800 meter runner, so here's a perfect example, a girl who's number three in the NCAA right now, last year she was running 217. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Right now, <laughs> when I first tested her, she had four systems available. Okay. She was missing all of the fast ones. I'm like, yeah, you can still run an 800. You're just not going to run it very fast. Mm-hmm. So, um, so from her first tests, you know, basically this training was targeted to turn on certain energy systems, stimulate them appropriately. And we didn't do more running or much different up it was just adjusting her training mode to be appropriate velocities and type of type of training in order to stimulate what she could positively respond to and 10 weeks later she was running 207 so you know that's 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 mind-blowing yeah Yeah. and that's that's and, and and i don't even like it doesn't phase me anymore because this is typical like this is what happens pretty much with almost every kind of program I go into it's like what just happened why is it pretty but it's just when you're missing half of the energy you need to the velocity it's an easy fix you know it's not like I'm up with magical workouts every you know people like oh is it a philosophy I'm like no every type of training has merit every type of workout is useful you just have to know when to use it at the right time Gotcha. Uh-huh. And and you can see when to use it at the right time. Right. Yes. You, you have that crystal ball. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Some old school coaches are like, you're doing that voodoo magic? I'm like, yeah. That's <laughs> <it."> <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that there's like a kind of like an old guard, right? That. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah you know, and, and it, it's. I mean, sometimes I can't believe how fast certain people run. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) How? How did that happen? Um, But no, it's 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 actually pretty cool to see. Like, I get really excited. I mean, right now it's like track season. It's like my like all day long. I'm like searching Twitter, like all the all the meat results. I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) It's crazy. Um, But it's just really exciting to like see something that you know, that you developed from scratch just with the, with the goal in mind to just help people on a, you know, like I've, I was our grad assistant coach. I ran track of Florida and ran professionally afterwards and all that fun stuff and knew I wanted to be involved with athletes. Um, and I coached for a bit and, and realized like, you know, I have more to offer than just coaching one team, you know, you know, And it's just really cool to be able to now work with so many different coaches and to have those relationships with so many different coaches. And it's, it's really like humbling that they trust me. You know, it's like, that's their job. Their job depends on their athletes performance and they're really entrusting me with a lot of their, you know, their livelihood. (laughs) Right. Like the direction of the program or what they're going to buy into. That's awesome. That's unbelievable. Like I said, I'm fascinated by it. (laughs) I, I mean, I've I've seen quite a bit of it, and I've seen like the testing, I've seen the printouts, I've seen the whole get, like I've seen everything in pieces. But then 
pulling it all together and being like, like if I could go back and coach a guy differently, like how differently would he have run? Or if I tapped that system for longer, would I have done that better? But obviously hindsight is 2020 yep. and I don't have the same crystal ball that Shannon has. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean it's 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 awesome it's really fun and um like i said it's just it's just really cool to see like you know i love working with college athletes but locally i do work with a lot of high school teams and you know just in the past eight weeks i took a team of girls from new jersey that really weren't they were that that impressive they just won the state championship in the four by eight all, there's three girls on the team that are juniors and I, you know, see the potential. I've tested them eight weeks ago. They're pretty novice in far, as far as their track experience. And, you know, I passed their name along to several college coaches I work with. And, you know, those girls are, are going to get recruited D1 now, you know, and they want to, you know, otherwise, you know, have that opportunity. I mean, Marston, who's on Villanova, he went through my program in high school. You know, he was a 17 minute kid. And a year later, he's running 1530, you know, so, it, you know, it changes kids' lives pretty dramatically at the high school level. And, you know, high school coaching, I feel it's like luck of the draw, you know, it's like right. you could have, you know, you get lucky if you have a decent coach that knows something, you know, it's a volunteer job and I commend high school coaches, but it's a lot to ask, you know, and in track and field, unfortunately, you know, the training 100% really affects their performance. You know, it's, 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 it's not where you can, you know, you're a really good basketball player and you can get a buy with being really skilled. Um, you know, training has a lot to do with how many kids can get to that next level. And, you know, what I found, especially among the high school mo um, group is, you know, it's a lot of, of, of um, group training, you know, so, the kids in the middle and back really have a hard time overcoming that because they're always overworking to try to keep up. So they're, they really have a hard time really getting the appropriate stimulus that's going to keep them progressing the way that they need to. Um, so that's like the biggest group that I've seen a lot of change in with working those, those middle to back of the pack kids where they can develop appropriately and, you know, make the progress um, that they otherwise probably wouldn't have gotten. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> how did um? I know Mark had to step away, but how did you how did you even get into this? You know, I mean, like, how did you develop that just from scratch? I mean, obviously, there's you know thousands of field tests, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I I went to Florida, my undergrad um, in physiology and mm. exercise science, and graduate graduate degree in um, physiology and biochemistry. Um, I knew I wanted to work with athletes in some way. Um, I happened to land my first job at the Olympic Training Center mm -hmm. in San Diego. So getting that um, and working in that environment kind of sparked me to really want to do more. Because right. like I said, when I, when I was there, I realized that, you know, we're giving this information to our top athletes, but it was still really limited. Um, and when I started working with you know, more and more coaches, um, I realized that we're handing them information and leaving it up them up to them to interpret and apply it. 
And that's where I saw that it really wasn't benefiting the athletes as much as they, that it could be. Um, so, you know, I really wanted to help kind of figure out a way that something could be used in an effective way. Cause mm -hmm. I, I just sit seeing talent go to waste, you know, I was like, Oh no, like, you know, so, you know, and like I said, I, it, it kind of started out really as a quest for like my own answers and understanding and, and just kind of grew from there. Um, you know, especially with the success of the programs, you know, took Tennessee was 53rd when I started working with them four years later, won national championship, mm -hmm. you know, program. And we, I mean, just cranked out NCAA champions left and right. Um, you know, pretty dominant run through the middle distances for yeah. a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so it's just, but it's just, you know, insight versus hindsight data. You know, it's just like a lot of, a lot of coaches spend a lot of time trial and error, you know, a lot of code. And what's really cool when I, when I work with a new team, cause they're always a little bit like, I don't know about this sometimes. Right, right. When I, when I, I literally, like, I don't, most of the time I don't know the athletes names or anything like that. I'm just there collecting data. They're all numbers to me. And I can just look at their data and say, oh, this athlete, I don't know anything about them. Because a lot of times, oh, did you stalk my athletes? I'm like, no, I don't have that kind of time. But, <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, this athlete, you know, you're going to see this happening in races, this happening in training. This is what they're, and they're like, yeah, I saw it. I'm like, well, this is why, you know, so you can answer questions that they see and kind of like intuitively feel that's happening. But you can, you can talk about that and bring that up and address that without them even bring it up to you right so then you're like okay maybe there's maybe there's something to this um well i think it's it's unique that you can go in with like a like an unbiased like perspective like you said like you're they're just a number to you so you don't know you know what this kid's attitude or personality is and there's no you know you're right. not going in with any kind of you know preconceived, pre yeah, yeah preconceived notions or anything like that That's that's actually the part about my job lately. I'm like, I'm so glad you deal with that, coach, because I'm not dealing with that. Right, right. Well, they're they're dealing more with you know, or a lot, you know, a lot of them, oh. you know, dealing with the above the shoulders type stuff. Oh, you know, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and that's a big part. And and like some of the coaches I deal with, um, they're like, thank you, you make my job so much easier because now I don't have to worry about the training piece. Mm. I can worry about all this other stuff I've got to deal with. You know, yeah. a lot. Um, especially for, for college programs and some, some programs, you know, the head coach is dealing with men's and women's teams and across a know. couple of different disciplines too. And yeah. 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 So, um, so, you know, it just, it's simply, you know, helping to take some of that guesswork out of, of the training piece, um, you know, evaluate their athletes, track their athletes, um, you know, make sure they don't come into any big, big, big holes. We can mm. prevent a lot of things before they get too bad. Um, you know, and, and anecdotally we've, we've, you know, the reports I get, the most common thing I hear from, from athletes is like, wow, I, I I'm training so much quote unquote, easier, but mm. I'm running faster. And I'm like, well, that's because every stimulus we give you is something your body can adapt to. We're creating really efficient energy systems. And we're not going to ask you to do something your body won't respond to. That's why you feel like it's easy, but why you're outputting much better. You know, so your outputs, um, like say you're trying to, to build a bike and 
on an assembly line and you've got, you know, a hundred handlebars, you've got, you know, hundred chains and you only have 50 tires, you're only going to be able to output so many complete bikes. Right. So if, if we can, we're measuring each part that's going in and making sure there's enough to output what you're trying to output, whether it's an 800, a mile, a 10 K a marathon, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, you can still make some bikes, but they're just not going to be enough. You're not going to have, you know, your process isn't very efficient. So that's why I say, you know, you can still run an 800. It's just not going to be as fast. <laughs> you know, right. we'll do it. It's just not going to be as good. Um, so that's simply kind of what I'm looking at. Um, yeah. So did I, did I, did I go off track on that original question? That's <laughs> no, all good. Like I said, <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> I mean, I just think one of like the kind of one of my biggest takeaways or is you're taking the guesswork out of, um, and like for me personally, I've, I've, I've found myself in this predicament too. It's like, you know, you're running poorly and you're like, Oh, like, do I need to do more or do I need to rest more? And it's like, you, you couldn't be going down two more different paths, but you don't know which one to go down. That's usually the answer. And you know, now, I mean, I've been in this field a while, but now the whole big thing with, with, um, with sports science stuff is like you gotta rest everybody needs to rest 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 i'm like that's not the answer either mm -hmm. now we're gonna start detraining um you know so it's not it's not like you have to plan appropriately like planned rest if you plan your rest appropriately you plan your training appropriately then you're not gonna just randomly rest when you when you need that's not training either like mm -hmm. some models you know they track oh your daily hrv if that's whacked out you better rest today I'm like no that's not how it works either mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of different, you know, people are catching on, okay, rest is important, but they're not really applying that correctly either. You know, it's like, okay, yes, rest is important, but are we applying it appropriately? You know, right. you can't just rest all, rest all the time and think you're going to get a training adaptation either. Right. Sure. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, but it's a big question. Like I'm not feeling great. Do I rest more or work more? Right. right? Yeah. And, so. and it's so different. Like you could go down either road and it could be the complete opposite direction of where you might yeah. need to be. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, so, you know, it, it's a, there's a fine line right, right, right. there with that. Um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we probably could talk for another hour if we want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I think a part two is, is, uh, is in store. Yeah, for sure. I could talk hours on any piece of these topics. That's awesome. uh, so I, I guess now's a, a good time to, to kind of take that pause. Um, Shannon, do you want to tell people where they can find you? Like we're on social media? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, well, my my website is systembasedtraining.com. Um, I have a Facebook page, Go Athletic. Go Athletics is my company. So my company is actually called Go Athletics. My product is system-based training, so it's kind of confusing to some people. Um, so, um, and then, what I guess I have, I have, I know I have Twitter and, and Instagram. <laughs> just don't remember. <laughs> I'm on Twitter somewhere. Go Athletics. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So I mean, you, right. can, you can search it. I'm pretty much the only one that comes up under that. I think. Um, 
but yeah, I have a blog. I have a blog on my website that goes a little bit more in depth about some of the things we may have talked about tonight. Um, so awesome. I'm going to get some new articles written, but yet I'm busy. busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely understand. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shannon. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. We'll chat soon. Thanks, Shannon. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. So, so yeah, guys. So that was uh, Shannon Grady of Go Athletics and System-Based Training. Uh, a lot was said, and I'm sure you you may want to listen to it a second time, or if you have uh, if you have questions, I'm sure uh, you can post them on our page. You can go to her page and and ask them uh, if you have something that maybe we could answer or that we could share with her we're uh you know more than welcome to touch base and and keep a conversation going um again her website is systembasedtraining.com and uh, if you're looking for us you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash out and back podcast yeah guys um and mark you shout out to your personal page uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> all right, you go first, and then I'll, I'll uh, sure. return. So for all of uh, all of our stuff at the shop, uh, you can definitely find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at RunnersHigh and J. And then Mark for all your stuff. Yes. So I am on Twitter and Instagram at Train with Mark. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> at at Mark Pellerin, and on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash Train with Mark. Awesome. Uh, Everything's a, a blur tonight, so. It's all good. Well, uh, definitely want to thank Shannon again for her time, and I uh, hope you guys found it very informative, and uh, we will catch up with you all next week.